listening to Sunday Sermons from Warren Community Church. If you'd like to learn more about us, visit warrencommunitychurch.org. You have your Bibles with you this morning, and I pray that you do. That you'll turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24. We're going to be looking at that passage today and several other passages, but be focused around Matthew chapter 24. As we begin today, I'm going to have to deal with a subject today that, uh, number one, I don't claim to be uh, an expert on. I have no medical training. Uh, even though I have doctor in front of my name, I'm a doctor of the soul, not of the body. <laughs> I have no medical training, no medical expertise, but what I do have is an almighty God who has given us his word, who has revealed to us what his word has to say. And I believe that the word of God gives us clear direction for every aspect of our lives, even in those things that we have no control over. Do you believe that today? That God is in control even though the world may be in chaos. I am not here today to pick on any particular uh, political party. And boy, could we pick some of them clean. I'm here today to open God's Word with you because this whole idea of this pandemic has affected every person sitting in this room. I want to just ask you this morning, how many of you sitting in this room today know of someone that this pandemic has taken to heaven? Just look at the hands all over the room. So this, this pandemic has affected every person that I know. It's affected every community, every family, every church. The world began to change, and it took a drastic change on January the 11th, 2020. That's when the first COVID-19 death was reported in Wuhan, China. This pandemic, as, as it's been called and is, has shaken our world. It's disrupted our lives. But let me just say this to you this morning. It did not come as a surprise to the Lord. Did it ever occur to you that nothing ever occurs to God? The words plague, pandemic, pestilence, and disease, I'm going to talk about those in, in just a minute. But those words occur many, many times in Scripture. In fact, over 127 times do those words come to be. In fact, the word epidemic Let's just, let's just define some terms here today so that we know what we're talking about. Now, I don't have all this on the notes, so 
you, uh, you might want to, if you want to take some notes, it'd be, be good for you. The word epidemic, what is, what is an epidemic? An epidemic, as defined by Webster's Dictionary, says this, it is an illness that spreads among the people. Generally, an epidemic is kind of localized. It's not something that really spreads all over the world because that is what a pandemic is. Pan is the Latin prefix that means all, and demotic is where we get our word democracy from. So here's what pandemic means. It means that it belongs to the people, and a pandemic is that which spreads to people everywhere. So an epidemic can turn into a pandemic. The word pestilence, in the New King James Version, if you have some other perversion, I mean version, uh, of the Bible, <laughs> a little humor there, very little. Um, in the New King James Version of the Bible, it, the word pestilence occur, occurs 42 times. In fact, those three words, pestilence, plague, and disease, Oh, 127 times. But here's what a pestilence is, according to Scripture. It's a very contagious or infectious epidemic disease that is virulent and devastating. Something that is destructive or pernicious. Then let's look at the word plague. What is a plague according to Scripture? It is an epidemic disease causing a high rate of mortality, a disastrous evil or affliction. And then how is the word disease used in Scripture? It just simply means two words, a widespread illness. All of these definitions, all these terms could be applied to what we know of today as the coronavirus or COVID-19, or the pandemic. In the book of Exodus, chapter 9, the Bible tells us that the Lord allowed an infectious disease, a skin disease, to sweep over all of Egypt. And then when King David sinned against Israel in 2 Samuel chapter 24 and verse 15, the Bible says that the Lord sent a plague upon Israel from the morning till the appointed time. Now let me just pause right here and say that it isn't, this isn't to say that all illnesses are God-initiated or that he sent COVID-19 to the earth. I'm not smart enough to know whether he did or not. But all I can say this for sure. We live in a world that is corrupted by sin and diseases of all kinds are a consequence of that corruption all the way back to the Garden of Eden. But still, think about this. The Lord is not ignorant of what is going on on our globe. He is not up in heaven wondering, what am I going to do with this pandemic? In the gospel accounts, Jesus warned his disciples 
that there would be pestilences. There will be, what was, what was this to be for? It was to be one of the signs of the last days. Is this pandemic that we are, have been involved in over the past two years, is this a sign from God about these being the last days? Well, I believe we're, we're in the last days. Absolutely. But in the book of Revelation, the Lord warns us a dozen times about terrible pestilences and plagues coming to the nations as part of his judgment prior to his second coming. Now, this period is what's known as the Great Tribulation. Revelation chapter 7 and verse 14. It's going to be one of the most devastating period of divine judgment in human history. It will include plagues. So are we in the tribulation period now? I don't think so. You know why I don't think so? Because the rapture of the church has not taken place yet. And I believe the Bible is very clear. You see, there are no warnings in Scripture. Listen to me and listen to me clearly here. There are no warnings in Scripture before the rapture of the church. The rapture of the church can, can happen at any moment. There are plenty of warnings about the second coming of Christ. Now we believe, and I've taught here over and over, and I don't expect all of you to believe. I've always believed what I teach here when it comes to eschatology. There's so many different views. I've always said you can believe any eschatological view you want to you have your right to be wrong if you want to that's entirely up to you but uh, I believe that the premillennial pre-tribulation view is the closest to the literal interpretation of scripture than any other view because all the other views you have to allegorize scripture and I don't believe that the scripture should be allegorized unless the scripture allegorizes itself when the, when the literal sense makes good sense don't look for any other sense or put your two cents in let the Bible speak now but there are going to be those times in which the foundations are being laid for all of these events that will take place when the Lord comes to the earth. You see, I believe the Lord, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 11 and following, talks about how that the Lord is going to come in the air for his saints. And then when the saints are removed there will be a time of seven year period called the tribulation the first three years just tribulation the last three and a half years the great tribulation at the end of that the Bible says that the Lord will return to earth with his saints he comes in the air and then he comes to the earth very clearly taught in scripture two different events so what does this where, where do we go with all of this idea of this pandemic? We could talk about the history of pandemics. You know, during the last week of Jesus' life, the Lord Jesus left the temple in Jerusalem with his disciples, and he went down what we know as the, the Kidron Valley, 
And he climbed up to the top of the Mount of Olives, and there the disciples asked Jesus about the last days. It's found in, in Matthew chapter 24. It's called the Olivet Discourse. And notice what he says in verses 7 and 8. He says, And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. Now notice this phrase. Listen. All these are the what? The beginning of sorrows. This is not his coming. It is the preparation and all the things that are going to transpire here on this earth. When in preparation for the coming, are we going to experience some of those horrible times and those days and the events that are leading up to it? Absolutely. Look, let me just continue reading in, in, in Matthew 24. Beginning of verse 7. For nation... Well, let's back up. Uh, if you have your Bibles, I may not have all of this on the screen. For many will come, in verse 5, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. There are going to be many folks out there that are going to be leading people down the wrong path. Is that happening today? Absolutely. For the people today who deny this book, stand in pulpits and lead people astray? Absolutely. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, and see that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass. But what's this next phrase? But the end is not yet. Are we hearing of wars and rumors of wars today? Did you turn your TV on today? If you did, you're hearing about what's going on over there in Ukraine. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then, now notice what's happening here. This is a prophecy, I believe, of what we're seeing happening in Canada with the dictator Justin Trudeau. Now, that's not political. That's just the truth. Do you know that he has declared martial law and is going in and freezing people's bank accounts and taking their money? He was going to those truckers and removing fuel from their trucks, all because they are protesting peacefully against the dictatorial mandates that he has put into place. Listen to this. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended. They will betray one another and will hate one another. People turning on people. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. 
And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow old. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. Now I could go on, I could spend literally weeks in that passage. But I want to point out some things to you here in Matthew chapter 24 verses 1 through 14 that Jesus warns us about, and I believe this pandemic fits right into it in the preparation for what is coming and how the Bible predicts these things in prophecy. Notice, first of all, in verses 4 and 5, there's going to be deception by false Christ. Then in verses 6 and 7, there's going to be disputes and warfare among nations. Then in verses 7 and 8, you see disease and famine worldwide. Then we see in verse 9, deliverance of believers into tribulation. And that's just the word trouble. This is not talking about the great tribulation. Believers right now in Finland. Have you seen that on the news lately? If not, Google it and look it up. Two individuals, all they did was read the Bible, and now they have been drugged into court, and they are, are being dragged through the mud, and they're being called haters. And look, the Bible, if, if they lose in court, the Bible will be considered hate speech. You say, well, that's in Finland. That's not in the United States. Listen, we're one click away from that happening here. All I ask is when they drag me off to jail is somebody bring me a Diet Coke about once a day. That's all. Because I will never succumb. But notice one else. Verses 10 and 13, the defection of false believers. Then we see in verse 14, the declaration of the gospel to the whole world. Those six signs, those six signs are going to cover that first three and a half years. But there's going to be preparation for that time that we are going in through now. And notice this as well. But while... These signs, I think, will be fulfilled that we just talked about here in 20, chapter 24, verses 7, I mean 1 through 14. That they'll be fulfilled completely during the tribulation period. They will not just start then. They are starting now. They will build up over time. And I think perhaps maybe we're seeing early evidence of these things right now. Is then this COVID-19 pandemic a sign of the second coming of Christ? All I can say is, possibly. It could be an early indication of number three back here, the disease and famine that's worldwide that we see there uh, in verses 7 and 8. It could be an early indication of that number three that we know that's going to transpire and take place. And these tribulation signs could spill over into the final years, and they will spill over before the rapture occurs. Jesus said this word pestilence. 
that it would arrive like birth pains. Matthew 24 and verse 8. That it would arrive like birth pains. Now, I've never had a birth pain. I'm glad God designed us guys that we didn't have to have those things. I asked my wife one time, Honey, describe for me what a labor pain feels like. And she said, Well, if you could take your upper lip and pull it all the way to the back of your head, that's just the beginning. I'm going to tell you, you ladies are tough. I don't think, hey, if we men had to go through labor pains, there would only be one child probably for family. Because we don't do pain and sickness very well. Now, when we think about birth pains, when the scripture talks about these birth pains, here, what, what do birth pains do? They increase in what? Frequency. I, you know, I remember those days when you, you start, you know, looking at the watch. How long were they? Ten minutes apart? Five minutes apart? Three minutes apart? Uh-oh, here we go. And so it's the same with these signs and things that are going on, these pestilences, these plagues, these diseases. All of these things are, I believe, are birth pains. You know, you have those, uh, what they call Braxton Hicks pains, you know, that they're kind of a false labor pain it's a labor pain but it doesn't mean it's time for the baby to come yet and it's the same thing that we see in our world today with these uh, pandemics and diseases and pestilences I, I, I would call them the Braxton Hicks pains of prophecy what do we need to know then about all of this number one we need to know how vulnerable we all are to these whole, this whole idea of what this, these pains are all about or what these uh, diseases are all about. We, what are the implications of this warning? We are all vulnerable. Hebrews 9 and verse 27 tells us, As it is appointed for men to die once, but after that the judgment. Do you know, every one of us are vulnerable to death. Amen? Boy, if you want to really, really have a great round-the-table discussion, let's get together and talk about dying, right? Everybody, everybody wants to talk about that. You know the old song, the, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die? Nobody, I mean, if you want to ruin a conversation and get people to get up and, get, and leave, start talking about dying. But the Bible tells us that every one of us, you know, the last time I checked, the mortality rate was one to one. 
You are not going to escape this world unless by the rapture you are raptured out, but then you're going to be translated. But you're not going to escape this world unless you go through the portal of death. It's appointed unto man once to die. Now is the time to prepare for that. This pandemic, if nothing else, is a warning that death is coming. And death is no respecter of person. Children have died. Elderly people have died. Young people have died. Middle-aged have died. Listen, death has no respect of age. We're all vulnerable. But just because we're all vulnerable doesn't mean that I'm going to dig me a hole somewhere and go stick my head in it like an ostrich and not live out the life that God has given me because here's something I believe, even though I'm vulnerable to death, I am not going to die until God says it's time. And so my faith in God tells me to live my life have good sense. Don't be foolish. Practice good hygiene. But don't live your life thinking somehow you're going to avoid death. You're not. Not only are we vulnerable... But look at the veracity of the Bible. Now, what do I mean by that? The truth of the Bible. Notice what it says in Ezekiel 39 and verse 12. It says, For seven months the house of Israel will be buying them in order to cleanse the land. And then in Ezekiel chapter 38 and verse 22, notice what it says. And I will bring him judgment with pestilence and bloodshed. I will rain down on him on his troops and on the many peoples who are with him, flooding rain, great hailstones, fire, and brimstones. And then in Revelation 9 and verse 18, By these three plagues a third of mankind was killed by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone which came out of their mouths. And then in Revelation 11 and verse 6, These have power to shut heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy, and they have power over waters to turn them to blood and to strike the earth with all plagues, often as they desire. Here God is showing us and telling us that the Bible has predicted these things. They're going to happen. I don't know why we have been so caught out at a surprise to think that where did this come from? How did this happen? And again, I don't know if God brought COVID-19 to this earth for a purpose and a reason, but I can tell you this, God works all things together for good for those who love him and are the called according to his purpose. He will use this pandemic. I personally think, well, maybe I shouldn't give my personal opinion, but the veracity of the Bible. Then look third at the volatility of life. Our life is, is volatile. Now, what do you mean by that, Pastor Ken? Look at James chapter 4 and verse 14. Whereas, 
you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time, and then it vanishes away. You know, this morning, if you got up early enough, and particularly this time of year in the winter time, you know, you get out in the oh, outside early, go crank your vehicle up, scrape all the ice off, all that stuff, the frost. But when you walk outside and you breathe and you see your breath, it goes out in front of you. It turns into a vapor. You know, hot air, cold air. You got a cloud, a vapor. But how long does it stay around? Just a second. And the Bible warns us and tells us that life is volatile. That our life is like a vapor. It's here for a moment and then it vanishes away. And it, it warns us, is, what do you know of, of, uh, what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? Now that doesn't mean that we shouldn't plan for tomorrow. We should. We should plan every day. Like it's going to be 10,000 years till Jesus comes, but we ought to live every day like Jesus is coming that day. We need to plan. But our plans can be changed overnight in the blink of an eye. That last breath can be drawn. Life is volatile. Look in Job chapter 9, verses 25 and 26. Notice what Job says. He says, now my days are swifter than a runner. <laughs> they flee away. They see no good. They pass by like swift ships, like an eagle swooping in on its prey. Do you see those word pictures there? How many of us as parents, and, and, and even now you as parents now with those babies, I see it all the time when Jan shows me these pictures on Facebook. Oh, they grow up so fast. Slow down. Put a brick on their head. Do something. Slow them down. Life is fleeting. It is. And that's why the Bible tells us that now is the appointed time for salvation. Today is the day to be saved. Because life is volatile. Look at Job 14, verses 1 and 2. Man who is born of woman. Hey, and it's never going to happen any other way. Is a few days and full of trouble. Amen. Let's all eat worms and die right now. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Is that what that verse is teaching? Man who is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. We can just amen that. But notice it says, he comes forth like a flower and fades away. He flees like a shadow and does not continue. Our life is short. Three things you need to know about the volatility, volatility of life. Number one, life is short. Death is real. Eternity is a reality. And the way and the decisions that you make in this life while you're still breathing and while you're still alive will determine where you will spend eternity. 
So now is the time. If you're, listen, if you're not saved today, you need to get saved right now. Without hesitation or delay, you need to come to Christ right now. You need to come in repentance. You need to acknowledge and confess that you are a sinner, lost and undone. You're alienated, separated from God. The Bible tells us in Romans 10 that you are an enemy of God, that you are without strength. And you confess that you are bankrupt, you have nothing to offer God. In my hand, no price I bring. But then the second thing you need to confess is that Jesus is the only Savior. Only to the cross I cling. And you need to turn, you need to repent, turn from your way and turn to Christ. Then we see, because the next thing that we have, the implication of this warning is, there's victory in Jesus. Amen? All the bad news is bad news, but you can't understand the good news until you understand how bad the bad news is. And I want to tell you, the bad news is bad. We are alienated, separated from God. We are sinners by nature. We don't, we're not sinners because we commit acts of sin. We commit acts of sin because we are sinners. We are, we are sinners by nature. It is a term of being. We are dead, according to Ephesians chapter 2, in our trespasses and sin. And it's only the Holy Spirit of God that can quicken our dead spirits to life. And how does that happen? The Bible says that whosoever will may come. When God speaks to our heart in the power of the Holy Spirit, wooing us and calling us to Christ, we respond by faith. And then as we respond by faith and repent of our sin and come to Christ and call upon Him as our Savior, the Holy Spirit of God quickens our dead spirit to life, and we're born again into the family of God. So what's then? We see the implications of this warning. Look at John 16 and verse 33. This is a great passage. These things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have what? Say it. Peace. In the world you will have, say it, tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Now Jesus said that. He is Lord of all and he's saying to you, if you want to find peace, don't look for it anywhere else but in me. Notice what the next verse says in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Don't live your life troubled and afraid. Know that God is in control. If you are his child, he has going to give you and always will provide for you his peace, his joy, and his contentment that will meet every need that you have, no matter what's going on in the world, no matter how many diseases there are, how many pandemics there are, how many how many totalitarian rulers there are, it doesn't matter. Jesus says, I will give you my peace, not like the world has, but my peace. What is, what is God's peace? It's the peace that passes all understanding. You can't explain it. You just have it. You know that no matter what happens, do you know that today nothing happens to you 
unless it first of all comes through the permissive hand of Almighty God. So what's the explanation of our response to this warning? We need to set our priorities. 2 Chronicles 20, verses 5 through 12, give us a, a clear understanding of how we are to set our priorities and to let those priorities um, direct us and show us. Notice, well, notice what it says in this, in this passage about Jehoshaphat. It says, Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court, and he said this, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever? And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it? For your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine... We will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and we will cry out to you, God, in our affliction, and you will hear and you will save. And now here are the people of Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. And here they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Now, that was a promise. It was really a prayer, a plea from King Jehoshaphat to God. He was reminding himself, himself and the nation there of all the promises of God. And he's looking around and he's seeing all these enemies that are coming against them. And he knows that even if they come and destroy them, that God still is in control. We need to set our priorities, and realize that we need to serve a living God, and no matter what comes into our lives, we don't live our lives by fear. We live our lives by faith. The Bible tells us that we are, have not been given the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And then we need to serve sacrificially. Matthew 25 and verse 40 tells us this, and the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of these, the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. We need to be finding a place to serve. And you know, you say, well, how do I serve God? You serve others. You serve others, and you're, you're going to be serving God. And notice what Mark 10, 45 says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. We're called to serve sacrificially. You want to get your mind off all your problems and difficulties and troubles? 
Start giving your life away. Start giving your life away and realize that your life is a, is a gift. And every breath you take is a gift. And every breath you take may be the last breath you take. Let me ask you today, are you ready to stand before a righteous God? And then third, we need to summarize our blessings. Summarize our blessings. Remember that old hymn, Count Your Many Blessings? I love that old hymn. When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged, thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Are you ever burdened with a load of care? Does the cross seem heavy that you are called to bear? Count your many blessings. Every doubt will fly. And you will be singing as the day goes by. When you look at others and their lands of gold, think that Christ has promised you his wealth untold. Count your many blessings. Money cannot buy your reward in heaven nor your home on high. So, amid the conflict, whether great or small, do not be discouraged. God is over all. Count your many blessings. Angels will attend. Help and comfort give you to your journey's end. We need to summarize our blessings, folks. In John 1, 16, it says, And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. Notice what else Ephesians 1 and verse 3 says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every... How many? How many? Every spiritual blessing. Where? In the heavenly places in Christ. Fourth, we need to stay calm and press on. In the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, Lot fleeing with his family. What was the thing that Lot's wife did? She turned back. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. I'll follow him. Listen, stay calm. God is in control. Don't act like, a, like, like there is no God. Trust him. Use the good common sense God gave you to protect yourself and your family. But don't stop. Do you know that there are, and, and, and many have legitimate reasons because of health issues and, and having things that cause them to be in a very high, uh, um, susceptible class of folks, maybe who have diabetes or who have 
some other type of morbidity, some type of other illness and things like that. We need to protect them with everything we can. But folks, I want to tell you something. The doors of this church will never close again unless I'm dead. And then they won't close unless Matthew's dead. I have to admit that I allowed all of the nonsense going on and the fear when this stuff first hit to cause us to say to people, stay home, don't come to church. I've asked God to forgive me for that. I've repented. Because I want to tell you something, if there's, if there's any place that we need to be is in the house of God when there's something like going on. We need to be on our face before God as the corporate body of Christ pleading and praying for God to move in this situation and for Him to get the glory. And then finally, we need to step forward in the right direction. That's what Philippians 3, our, our theme verse for the whole year is to press on. Press on. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. Say that with me. I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. In other words, I'm not there yet. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the high call of God in Christ Jesus. And nothing will stop us from doing that. There's no pandemic. There's no dictator around. There's nothing that's going to come to our shores. There's nothing that's going to happen to us that's going to stop the Lord from fulfilling His plan and His purpose in our lives. That is the joy that we can have every day because we know nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us, neither height nor depth nor width or any other creature, no, no created thing. Not even death can separate us. So how do we face this pandemic? Just like we face anything else in life. With faith and trust in God. And I want to encourage you, church. Don't let the fear. Because it's been used to get control. How many of you 10, even just maybe five years ago, but even 10 years ago, would have ever believed that the people, the free-born people in the United States of America would be told whether they could go to church, whether they could go to work, whether they could hug their grandmama and their granddaddy, whether they could go outside, whether they could go to school, would you have ever believed that the great government and the great land that we have would be so stolen from us that we would see those types of things happen in this country? 
in all the pandemics, I started to do a historical study with all this and carry you through every pandemic the United States has ever been through. But for lack of time, I couldn't do it. But not one time in the history of this great nation was there ever a mandate from the government to close all of society down. It is a premonition, it is a prefiguring, it is a pre-work of the Antichrist system that is being put in place where you and I will follow like sheep to the slaughter and you and we are being trained to obey, obey, obey. Well, I've got just enough rebel in me and just enough Christ in me to say, I will not obey man over God. God is who I will obey. So, don't fall to the fear mongers that are out there. Live by faith. How do you live by faith? Give your life to Christ and you'll find out. Let's pray. Lord, thank you today for your love for us and the promise that you give us not only for salvation in this life, but in the life to come. We know that we all are creatures that are affected by all the things that happen in, in your great creation. But we know, Lord, that as we trust you, you are over all, everything, and that we all have a, an appointment one day. We don't know when that will happen, what, but what we do know and what we can do is get prepared for that day. And the best way to do that is right now. While the voice, the Spirit of God is moving and wooing and calling, I would invite you right now to open your heart to Jesus and repent of your sin. Confess Him as Savior and Lord. Acknowledge your need for Him and receive from Him today the gift of eternal life that He promises to all who will believe. So that's our prayer today in this time of invitation is an invitation for you to come. It's God's invitation. It's not mine or Pastor Matthew's. This is God's invitation. Saying, come to Jesus. That's the last prayer of the Bible that says, even so, come Lord Jesus. Well, let me tell you, you're coming to Jesus one way or the other, either in faith or you'll stand before Him as judge. So you choose today which you shall choose and how you'll stand. I promise you, if you don't know Jesus, you're not ready to stand before Him as judge. So Lord, today we commit this to you and give this invitation invitation for those to come and we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Sunday Sermons. If you want to learn more about us, visit warrencommunitychurch.org.